Our gospel reading this morning is taken from the gospel according to John in chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Hear now a reading of the good news. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am He, the one who is speaking to you. And this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, good morning again. Thank you for joining us in worship this morning at Ashland Place United Methodist Church. As you can tell from the scripture readings and the um, prayer this morning, we are at Dumas Wesley uh, Community Center on Mobile Street. Um, this has been a uh, United Methodist mission now for over 100 years, being founded in 1903 and has been serving our community for uh, over a century. And to be a partner with with Dumas Wesley is a great privilege and honor, and it allows us to sense a, a sense, uh, offer us a, a sense of community um, together as we are the body of Christ. Different members, different tools, different gifts and strengths reaching out into our world uh, to be the body of Christ. Um, that is what it means to be uh, a community, to be the faith, to be the church. And as we enter this new sermon series that we're calling uh, Community, we are talking about what it means to be the church as individuals and together as a people, as to be the body of Christ, this um, collection of different gifts and strengths and weaknesses and vulnerabilities, how we gather together to become one body, to offer one another support and encouragement and strength, to offer each other our vulnerabilities, our broken places, our frailties, and to lift all of us up together to glorify and praise God and to proclaim the good news that God is is with us wherever we are and that's important for us to understand today and in this season of COVID-19 a pandemic that has forced us into a virtual environment we are not together face to face in physical presence with one another we're not sharing the same physical space at the same time but we are sharing the same spirit in the same time and in that sharing we find community and we find ourselves being the church called in different um, avenues and platforms to continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and here we are beginning this new sermon series on this campus a beautiful campus here on Mobile Street 
And as we uh, consider what it means to share and worship as a community, it's an awesome moment. It's an awesome occasion that invites us to look into ourselves, to um, look at each other, to be able to relate to one another and to be the body of Christ in ways we would never have imagined in February of 2020. But here we are today on Dumas Wesley on Mobile Street, being Ashland Place United Methodist Church. And together with Dumas Wesley and Ashland Place, we are the body of Christ. So let us consider what it means to share worship as a community. The Dumas Wesley Community Center was founded in 1903 by the United Methodist Women. Its mission is to educate, empower, and enrich the local community through collaborative programs of Christian service that provide for immediate human needs, strengthen family life, develop leadership, and encourage personal responsibility. The center offers a wide range of human services to the community, including a transitional housing for homeless families, after-school programs, and summer enrichment for at-risk youth a day program for low-income seniors, meal delivery to homebound seniors, transportation to vital health and wellness services for seniors, and nutrition education for home daycare providers. It also hosts the Joseph Project, which is Ashland Place's weekly food pantry, which is offered free to the public. It also works with the Gulf States Immigration Services, offering pro bono legal assistance, and offers aid to the homeless and marginalized during times of crisis. The Sybil Smith Family Housing and Traditional Program was founded in 1999 to fill a void in housing services for women and families experiencing homelessness. To date, the program has served more than 2,180 individuals from Mobile and Baldwin County. I remember a few years ago when I was a, uh, well more than a few years ago now, I was an undergraduate student at Florida State University in Tallahassee and I was a psychology student. and. Um, I was, uh, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and so I majored in psychology, hoping that would be a broad foundation and a base to work from into, into a future. And I'm glad I majored in psychology. And even at the time, I didn't know why or what purpose it would really serve. But anyway, um, at that time, we were, I was um, in a class with a good friend of mine, Jeff, and um, it was the season of final exams, and we had met in a, at a parking lot, and, and we're walking to class together. And, we were kind of just talking about what was coming up, what, you know, what lay ahead. And, and I, to be honest, it was a fairly tough examination period. I wasn't ready. I hadn't studied long enough, hadn't studied thorough enough, and, and um, I knew I wasn't ready. And I wasn't ready for the exam. I wasn't ready to get those grades back. And, and as, we, as Jeff and I were walking, we were just kind of talking about anything other than what was in front of us, um, for my sake. I was, I was a nervous, I was a nervous wreck. And, and I um, was just kind of trying to find anything to think about, anything to talk about that wasn't psychology and behavioral science. And so we were walking along and talking about music or movies and other things we had in common and we liked. And, and then he asked me out of the blue, he goes, what did you think about the cognitive rebound theory? And I was like, what? Cognitive rebound? I was thinking in my mind, I've never even heard of cognitive rebound theory. I don't even know what he's talking about, and I could, and he could look at my face and know that I was—I had no clue. I was—I was—I was blanked. 
And so I, 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 I'm sure I stopped in the middle of the sidewalk and I began to fish for my textbook out of my backpack and, and he just looked at me and I looked at him and he just started laughing. And I said, what is, I said, what, what is, I said you gotta tell me what, what is cognitive rebound? I don't remember that. And he goes, he goes, I don't know. I just made it up. I said, what do you mean you made it up? I was, I was so angry with him, but, this, but at the same time I couldn't help but laugh because here, here we were walking to what I felt was an impending doom and my discomfort, and we were looking for any way and anything, any word that would shift the focus away from my lack of being ready, my lack of preparedness, my lack of studying, and the dread I felt for what was about to happen. You know, in a similar vein, in a far more serious way, we have a similar conversation taking place in this encounter between Jesus and this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. You know, we, we find this story in chapter 4 of the Gospel of John, and, and John, the Gospel writer, tells us that Jesus is traveling from Judea back to Galilee, and he's traveling through directly a direct path from Judea and Jerusalem back to probably Capernaum and Galilee. And the most direct path was through Samaria, and this was unusual. Uh, Jewish people would not have typically traveled through Samaria. They would have gone all the way around. They would have crossed the river to go completely around Samaria, just to not go through Samaritan land. In this happenstance, they would cross paths with a Samaritan, which was fine with the Samaritans because Samaritans cared as much about the Jews as the Jews cared about the Samaritans. There was no love lost between these two groups of people. But here the Gospel writer tells us Jesus is making his way through Samaria, and he stops at midday. The Gospel writer says it was about noon, and Jesus is outside this city called Sychar, and there at Jacob's well, he encounters a woman. And he asks this woman, can you draw me some water? Give me something to drink. This is shocking for a couple of reasons. One, for what I just talked about, that the Jewish and Samaritan people didn't care for each other. They wouldn't have engaged typically in conversation. And another reason is that a man would not have engaged in a conversation with a woman in public, especially a woman he did not know. This was undone. This was not the right social thing to do. So culturally speaking, this was at odds with everything. And the fact that it was about noon tells us a lot about this woman. When typically women would have, um, whoever was drawing water for the household would have gone early in the morning before the sun was high, before it was so hot. Or they would have waited till late in the day when the temperatures had cooled to make their way out to the well to draw water and to hike back to the town or to their household. But here this woman finds herself in the heat of the day at high noon. And there she encounters Jesus. This woman was there at high noon probably because she felt ostracized. She was ostracized. She was frowned upon, looked down upon, was made to feel uncomfortable around other women. And that is probably why she made her way out 
at noon in the heat of the day. But even in the heat of the day, in the discomfort of the heat, which was far more comfortable than being with women who don't want her there, people who do not want her with them, she encounters Jesus. And Jesus asks her for water. Probably surprising her, maybe frightening her, maybe making her even a little more uncomfortable. And then he says to her, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask me for the living water. For with this water you will be thirsty nevermore. Imagine, particularly for this woman who has to bear the heat of the day, the shame of going out in the middle of the day to get water and to bring it back, the, the feeling of ostracization and, and the um, discomfort of, of just having the shame of not being in community. Never having to be thirsty again had to be awfully tempting. And she's looking around for this living water because probably what she heard was living water as in a river or a stream or a spring, water that is moving and flowing. That was the understanding of living water. But that wasn't what Jesus was talking about. It, but he got her attention. And she's like, if this is what you have, I, I want it. I'll give me some of this water. Probably looking around for whatever stream or river he could have possibly have pulled water from. And if he has this water, where is he keeping it? And why is he asking me for it? There's a lot of questions here. But the point is, he got her attention and got her desire. This encounter brought this woman in. And Jesus, in, in sensing her desire, Ask her, well, go get your husband and bring him back. And this is where things get really uncomfortable. She doesn't want to talk about this. So she says, I don't have a husband. Hopefully this answer will, will dismiss the questioning and we can move forward. And I can get some of this living water and I can go back and never be thirsty again and never make this hike again. But Jesus doesn't let it sit there. He pushes further. And he says, you're speaking the truth because you've had five husbands and the, woman, and the man you're with now, he's not your husband either. So all of a sudden, all of the shame and the being ostracized and uncomfortable and being there in the, in the heat of the day begins to make sense. This woman is broken for whatever reason and probably feels shame for her brokenness, for her vulnerability. And rather than bringing that vulnerability to the top and, and placing it at Jesus' feet, she tries to skirt it, to redirect. And she says, well, surely you must be a prophet because you speak the truth. But your ancestors worship in Jerusalem, in the temple. And my ancestors worship here on Mount Gerizim. Basically, she's saying, so even if you speak the truth, who's really to know? 
And what difference does it really make because you're coming from one faith tradition, I come from another, and let's just let it sit there. But Jesus doesn't. Again, he pushes the boundary and he pushes the envelope back towards her and says, surely the day is coming when we will either worship on the mountain or in the temple of Jerusalem, but we will worship in spirit and truth wherever we are. And here is where we find the truth of community and the truth of what it means to share worship as a faithful community. In this conversation, much like my conversation with my friend Jeff on the way to take that exam that I was not ready for, this woman was on her way to go about her regular day just to get some water, just to provide for her family. And in that encounter with Jesus on that particular day, she brings with her all of the strength that she has to make that journey every day to the well and all the strength that she has to find a way of, to live in the midst of such shame and brokenness. The challenges of loss and change in her life had to be unbelievable in that day and age. Because when we think about what was happening in this woman's life, for her to have five or six husbands and relationships, broken relationships for, for divorce or death or, or for whatever reason, abandonment, whatever the reasons may be for this woman to find herself in changing relationships. She's having to find herself ways to make, to make for a household, to have a place to belong with a man. In this patriarchal system, she had to find a place with a man. Otherwise, she was at great risk and very vulnerable. And so imagine the strength it took for her just to to be able to accept these changes, to be able to adapt to the losses, and to be able to move forward in life in ways that she did not want to do. No one wants to, to face such change and loss. The grief she must have dealt with, the tears that she must have shed, the fear she must have held. And she carried all this with her to this well. And there she encounters the one and only Jesus Christ who can offer her living water, who can offer her the Spirit and offer her truth that will allow her a life and life abundantly. But there's a response. And the response is uncomfortable. And it's not just uncomfortable for her because this story is not just about the woman at the well. This story is about all of us because we all have to bring our vulnerability, our shame, our brokenness, our frailty into the community. We have to lift that up to Jesus Christ. We have to lift that up to God and to make ourselves vulnerable to our community, the community of faith. And when we do that, we allow our strengths to help the weaknesses of others. We allow our vulnerabilities to be encouraged, to find encouragement in spite of our vulnerabilities from the community. And when we do this, when we find ourselves offering our different strengths and presenting our weaknesses and we offer our encouragement 
and we present our frailties, we find ourselves as a body of Christ. And we find ourselves reaching out into our community, much like Dumas Wesley. We find ourselves being the church to offer bags of food to the homeless, to offer shelter and housing to those in transition from homelessness. That's what Dumas Wesley does. That's what we do when we partner together and we offer our strengths with the community of faith. So the challenge for us today as Ashland Place and as the community of faith is that when we gather for worship, whether it is virtually or whether it is in person, face to face, or a drive up communion service, or whether it is serving and filling bags here at Dumas Wesley, or uh, bringing in food for the Joseph Project, offering whatever we can give, whatever we can serve, and we come acknowledging and recognizing that we too are broken, that we too are vulnerable and frail. We bring our whole self and we bring ourselves continually to God. Because when we bring our whole self and we bring ourselves continually to God and we offer ourselves sacrificially in the service of God and one another, we're following Paul's understanding of worship. Paul's understanding in Romans of what it means to be a faith community, to be the church. So I invite us today and I, invite, I, I challenge us is that whenever we gather on Sunday mornings virtually, on Thursday mornings in small groups of Bible study, on Tuesday mornings when we gather for the knitting group, on Sunday mornings when we gather virtually for Sunday school, and Bible study on Tuesday evening, wherever we gather, and whatever platform on which we gather, gather with our whole self, all of our weakness, and all of our strength, all of our courage, and all that needs to be encouraged. Bring ourselves wholly and continually to God to offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice to God. Together, let us join together as a community, worshiping together in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.